the Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Mike Opelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Happy Friday, America. Happy Friday. Uh, is it still Friday to the Pure Opelka audience down under in Australia? There are listeners to this radio show who pick us up in Oz. So uh, I hope it's still Friday there. Let me do the math. I think it's 11 hours ahead of us. So I think they might have one more hour of Friday. So happy Friday. I hope you're getting ready to kick off a weekend. It's a free-for-all Friday today. I am open to talking about just about any topic. I will attempt to be um, clear on any topic. So the phone lines are open, 888 Yeah, there's stuff going on. Yes, there is stuff to cover. Yes, there are things I want to talk about, like Chief Justice Roberts and what he's wishing for uh, graduates. There are good news items to mention as well. There are some difficult items to mention. And I've got a little bit of a rant planned for, for the uh, communist mayor of New York City, who I think is a disgusting individual. I just think uh, what he's doing is beyond, beyond explanation. I just, I don't get it. So uh, let me start, though, with the, the two minutes or minute and a half of video that CNN has been milking for the past, oh, almost two hours. Maybe longer. It might have been uh, happening longer than two hours that CNN was dealing with this. And I'm talking about the video that shows Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin sitting with some of the other members of the G20 as this was before, before they actually went to their meeting, their individual meeting, which started almost almost 100 minutes ago. It was supposed to go 40 minutes. So uh, President Trump and Vladimir Putin have been in this meeting for close to two hours now. And I could have told you this was going to happen this way. It's not a big, big surprise. Why? Why did it happen this way? Well, it's simple. You got two guys who don't speak the other's language. And so every time somebody says something, it's got to go through a translator. And there are six people in the meeting room, Trump, Putin, Tillerson, Lavrov, and two translators. That's it. So it's going to be normally slow. It's probably actually 40 minutes worth of an actual discussion. But thanks to the translators, it's slowing things down. But the, the, the irritating thing for me, and I tweeted out a picture a little bit ago. CNN with this massive panel salivating, frothing, trying to decide... What is President Trump saying to Vladimir Putin? What should he say? What Putin will say back to him? How will this uh, affect our future? All the speculation. It's just a giant waste of time. And it took CNN about, I'm not kidding you, it took them almost a full minute to introduce the whole panel. And at the same time, in this double-decker screenshot that they have going on, 
they have um, in the corner, in the top sort of one third of the of the screen, they have uh, a picture of or a, a, a little rolling video of Trump and Putin. And it's from the the moment when they were seated. They weren't really having a meeting yet. They were shaking hands. How you doing? Good to see you. An honor to be with you. And you hear all the cameras clicking. They've got that down. But they just kept re-racking that. That's all you kept seeing was this endless loop of this one little scene. Now, there was a little something, something that was overheard then. I'll play it for you. Cameras. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. President Putin and I have been discussing various things, and I think it's going very well. We've had some very, very good talks. We're going to have a talk now, and obviously that will continue. But we look forward to a lot of very positive things happening for Russia, for the United States, and for everybody concerned. And it's an honor to be with you. It's an honor to be with you. And then the handshake that triggered all of the uh, picture taking that you heard. The end. We don't need the sounds. Turn them off your camera. I'm not sure. I think uh, in, in the rest of this clip, they they ask someone in the press asks, uh, "Do you still do you still expect Mexico to pay for the wall?" And uh, President Trump said, absolutely. That's when the Mexican president sat in the chair where Putin was earlier, Peña Nieto. And uh, Donald Trump said, yeah, absolutely. So it should be interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll get whatever comes out of this, which I don't think will be much. But I do find it, at least I find it a positive sign that the president has has gone uh, this long in this meeting that Putin and and President Trump have now talked uh, extensively. At least we hope they have. We hope they're not in there napping, but God only knows. Outside in the streets of Hamburg, things are kind of kooky. We have different reports coming from various areas saying that uh, the First Lady, Melania Trump, and the the Polish first lady, Mrs. Duda, were not able to get out of where they were staying because the protesters had made the streets unsafe. Not necessarily the streets outside of where they were, but the streets between where they were and where they wanted to go. And we're really not even into the full-on G20. Today was kind of the pomp and circumstance day. Today they took the class picture, you know, where all the people stand uh, and and they uh, make their little photo op. And you can see who's Merkel's in the middle. Merkel's the only one that's really easy to identify because she's got the orange jacket on. Everybody else is pretty much in uh, blues and blacks. President Trump on the on the far left. I think, is it Trudeau or Macron who keeps shadowing President President Trump? I think it's Macron, yeah. The new French president seems to be Velcroed to President Trump. I don't know if he's trying to show uh, strength back home or, or if they're talking about the upcoming visit that is going to happen. But uh, D Donald Trump was off on the far left of the picture. 
and Putin was on the other side, the far right, uh, and Merkel in the middle. So the, the photo's out there. I'll tweet out a link to that. We, we don't anticipate, like I said, any, any breakthrough news. Uh, there, there is discussion that China is making trade deals and that a lot of people are worried that we're going to lose our position in terms of the leader in, in the world trade, at least uh, driving it. So uh, let's see. Let's see, um, let's see what happens. Uh, I'm hopeful. Oh, oh, we have an early guest on a free-for-all Friday. The one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Rich from White Plains is checking in. How are you, sir? Welcome to uh, the program. How, how gracious, Mike. How are you? The man, the myth, the legend. Wow. I, I, I don't know how to respond. I just can't live up to that billing. Um, okay, see ya. see ya. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> What's going on, Rich? You know, Mike, I heard you, you know, at the top of the show, you know, talk about, you know, this is a waste of time. I'm not exactly sure what you were referring to, but, <clears throat> you know, every election cycle, the economy is always number one uh, priority, you know, with people as far as who they're going to vote for, you know. And Trump was elected as a, you know, the, the, the you know, he's a, oh, he's a businessman, he's a billionaire, a, economy fixer. Now, I don't know about you, but, you know, I watched the news I, ever since his inauguration, and it, it seems that him and his cabinet have been preoccupied with foreign affairs more so than domestic affairs. What, so, you know, I, wait, wait, Rich, hold on. Um, and I, I don't know what statement you're referring to. I, I might have been talking about my presence today is a waste of time. Now, I'm, I'm not necessarily talking about the G20 as a waste of time. But uh, in terms of Trump, uh, and he did make reference to uh, being a jobs president, and there is an analysis from CNN of the last five months of Obama's presidency and the first five months of Trump's presidency in terms of job numbers. And, you know, while that's... Semi-valid, I think it's also invalid because seasons have different approaches and you can't compare the first five months of Obama with the first five months of Trump because Obama inherited a total economic meltdown. But that said, look at the look at what's happened, Rich. Look at the and I'm talking about domestic stuff. Look at what's happened in terms of eliminating regulations that has allowed America to once again export energy that has allowed America which will build jobs here in America to become a global future global leader in all the supply of energy. So I look at the elimination of those onerous regulations that Trump has managed to push through as a, as a huge jump. And look, we are anticipating about 148,000 jobs added today. And we got the news this morning. It was 223,000 jobs. And look at the stock market since Trump was elected, not just since he took office, but since he was elected. I, I will tell you, I don't think he's hyper-focused outside of the country. I think he's still ticking off things well, on his list of promises, among if, them being a jobs president. If, if I may, if I may. Yeah, I know. It's my show. Know, I'm sorry, but yes, you may. <laughs> just a, a, an alternate perspective on what you just said. I mean... Because Obama had placed such onerous restrictions, you know, job-killing restrictions, and, and doing it with, you know, a, a phone and a pen, 
okay, how hard would it, and, and, and how could, you know, any other, you know, president, uh, were it not Trump, be able to do the same thing as easily? I'm talking about going out the same way Obama did and just pounding the pavement for universal health care or Obamacare. Trump should be pounding the pavement for um, income tax reform, something that they've been talking about for years and years and years, okay, that would actually be not just undoing an Obama thing, but actually taking a step forward, Mike, you know what I mean? That's well, what Rich, I'm talking you, about. You make, an, you make an argument that many make that shows the difference between the Democrats and the Republicans. The Democrats seem to be all together in unison and acting like good socialist soldiers. And whatever Chuck Schumer says, they go and do. Whatever Nancy Pelosi says, they go and do. Nobody oh, yeah. questions. The Republicans, on the other hand, they, we never seem to be able to get conservatives all together. And I will tell you, I think it's because there are more strong characters within the conservative movement People all think that they've got the right idea and they don't do it as much in terms of compromise as the Democrats do. And so we end up with a lot of times frustration and things like you're hearing out of um, Mitch McConnell. But I think what McConnell is doing is actually pretty smart. I think what McConnell is doing is basically warning his his group that if you guys don't get together, we're going to lose this now. When Trump goes out and makes those pitches, which he did on a limited basis in the last few weeks, he is he is crucified by the media, said you're leading a campaign rally. Why are you? And and if you dare compare to Obama, he gets chastised for that, too. But Obama did that. You're exactly right. He went out and he sold Obamacare. Trump has got a bigger job here because he has a smaller. He does not have an unimpeachable, unstoppable majority which is what Obama had. Obama's task was much easier. Plus, undoing Obamacare is easier. It is much, undoing Obamacare is much harder than bringing Obamacare in. Just a thought. But, you know, that's... That's, that's exactly why I chose income tax reform, which would be a, an easier task. But you know what, Mike? I think we need to start with a reclassification of the parties. Um, the Democrat Party should be referred to as the Socialist Party now, particularly with with how close Bernie Sanders got to being their nominee. You know what I'm saying? And well, Rich, when you, say, you know that's not going to happen because you're not going to allow your enemy to give you a name. And that you, because we all know what would happen if I, if I let my enemies name this show, I shudder to think what it would be called. Uh, my parents would be spinning in their graves. I'm, well, I'm up against a little commercial break wall here. Happy you joined us. Happy you kicked off okay, uh, Freestyle. Freestyle Friday. Have a great weekend, Rich. And the rest of you, you want to thank you, sir. You want to join the show? 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. This is Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka 
Welcome back to Pure Opelka. There's some interesting news just popping. I know we were talking about the G20 and the fact that the president and uh, President Putin of Russia have been meeting for quite some time. And as we went to break, there was uh, an Associated Press breaking news alert. And actually, CNN could learn something from the Associated Press. CNN, uh, this is breaking news while you're farting around talking about uh, your micro breakdown of the today's jobs numbers. Um, Russia and the United States are apparently prepared to announce a ceasefire in southwest Syria starting on Sunday. Russia and the United States, according to sources from the Associated Press, are prepared to announce a ceasefire in southwest Syria starting on Sunday. Uh, that would be kind of a big deal if uh, this this brief meeting has already gotten that going. Now, I'm dubious because uh, we did this before in September of last year. I don't know if you remember it. There was a ceasefire. I think it went for about a week, maybe a, a week and a day. So uh, we'll see. We shall watch. We shall watch. So everybody's thinking about um, th- this proxy war, which has disturbed me between America and Russia over Syria. I'm hoping that now we can see, okay, maybe a little bit of lessening of tension between the two superpowers. And maybe we have uh, started to find the solution to the problem in Syria. I still think Russia is going to have its economic interests at the, at the front of any discussion, at the front of any negotiation, because Russia, Russia wants Syria for the strategic location that it offers them for delivery and access to energy. And it's about money. It's about energy. It's not about liking Bashar al-Assad and thinking he's a good guy with a good idea. This is, uh, it's all about regional dominance for Russia. So if I'm going to be hopeful. I'm going to try and remain hopeful on this Friday that, yes, that out of this first meeting with Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin, because remember, all the other times uh, Trump talked about meeting Putin, it, it apparently never happened, none of those. And so this first meeting could yield a ceasefire over southwest Syria starting on Sunday. We'll keep an eye on things. We will keep a very close eye on things. And as of yet, we we have yet to get any uh, notification that the meeting has ended between the two. And there certainly hasn't been any uh, any photographic release or anything else. So we'll see. Michael Pelka on a uh, free-for-all Friday. I'm Pure Pelka. If you want to join the conversation, the phones will be open throughout the entire show. 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. There's much to talk about today. John Podesta has been tweeting. There is the jobs news, but I think we pretty much covered that. Uh, we, We started on Trump and Putin. But when we get back, I need to rip into the mayor of New York City. I, I just, I can't believe, I'm so happy to be out of New York. I can't believe what this idiot is doing. I'll share it with you next. It's insulting and disgusting all at the same time. We'll be right back.
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. Part of the next generation of talk radio on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to uh, Pure Opelka. I need to remind you on a Friday, like, like you need a hole in the head, but some of you have been stubborn. You haven't called Relief Factor. Look, if you have pain in your knees, your neck, your back, your, your hips, joints, anywhere, if you got it in your wrists, if it's it's pain from inflammation, once you remove the inflammation, guess what? The pain is diminished. I was taking um, eight, eight of those little gel caps a day and uh, worried about it because, I, you know, you don't want to take that much medicine every single day. And I don't want to take painkillers, prescription painkillers, and I tried Relief Factor. Thank you, Brad Staggs and Doc Thompson for bludgeoning me verbally until I finally got it. Got the three-week quick start pack. Day eight, I stopped taking those um, those pain relievers. And I haven't taken a one since. And that was back in the first week of April that I started this. And now I'm, I'm an evangelist. And I, I'm telling you, don't waste your time. Get the three-week quick start pack. It's 1995. Most people who have inflammation-caused pain see results in 7 to 10 days. Call them at 800-500-8384. Call the Relief Factor Advisors at 800-500-8384 and, and try What do you have to lose but the pain? Get, get more information online at relieffactor.com. But I'm happy I did. It's part of my breakfast, lunch, and dinner regimen, Relief Factor, all natural anti-inflammatory. It's helped me. God, I hope it helps you. You know, we're, we're covering things, and as the Putin and Trump meeting has now ended, apparently lasted just over two hours, and we saw the Associated Press breaking news story about whatever might be a ceasefire. Uh, that, I guess that's good news, a ceasefire in, in uh, southwestern Syria. That may be happening on Sunday, may or not be happening on Sunday. Uh, we, we, are, um, we are getting a surprise on the Internet. Remember the dress and everybody said, what color is it? What color is it? Some people saw gold and black and some people saw blue and black. Now there's a, a, a picture of um, a Nike shirt and shorts and some sandals, apparently, with uh, what color do you see? And I'm seeing like a Tiffany blue and and gray in the picture. However, I'm I'm not alone. Giselle Evans, one of the vast and unpaid resource folks out in the pure Opelka audience, Giselle said, "I see white and pink. I don't. How do you? Where's the? Am I nuts? Is this a male female color blindness thing?" But I tweeted it out. Go to at StuntBrain. Go to my Twitter page and you'll see it. And say something. Tell me what you see. 
I think this this could light up the internet today as as we all need a little distraction on this free for all Friday. You're welcome to join the conversation. The phone lines are open. Uh, Dallas is is hooked up and ready to go. Triple eight nine hundred three three nine three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. I have to talk about a despicable creature. I have to talk about somebody who's just a. He's the worst. I'm talking about New York City's mayor, New York City's communist mayor, Bill de Blasio. Bill de Blasio, real name, Warren Wilhelm. Warren Wilhelm changed his name because he didn't think it was electable enough. He didn't think it was friendly enough. So he changed his name from Warren Wilhelm to Bill de Blasio. Bill's your buddy. Bill, hey, is that Billy de Blasio over there? No, it's Warren Wilhelm. So de Blasio is a uber, uber, uber progressive. He's a guy who thought he had a shot at being Hillary Clinton's vice president. And uh, you know what? Thank God he didn't because there might have been enough progressives around the country to, to overcome Hillary's distastefulness. And they might have had a chance to beat Donald Trump. But Bill de Blasio, mayor of New York, a guy who's had a contentious relationship with the NYPD over the years, a guy who uh, at one time, I think it was 2015, when we still were spending time, splitting time between New York and Delaware, there were these protests on the street against the cops, protests that were saying, kill the pigs, protests that were saying, F the police that Bill de Blasio just called free speech. No, they they were advocating for violence against the NYPD. These were bad people. And Bill de Blasio defended them. To the point where the NYPD actually had a problem with the mayor. And at a funeral, later that year, a funeral for an officer, many of them turned their backs when the mayor spoke at that funeral. We haven't heard much about that relationship between the mayor of New York City and the NYPD for a while. It's been months since that kind of became front and center. And even though I'm not in the city, I keep an eye on the city. And two days ago, when we had a New York City police officer assassinated as she sat in a police vehicle, she was shot in the back of the head by a, a, a career criminal, Officer Myosotis Familia, a veteran of the New York City Police Department who leaves children behind, leaves a family behind, the 46th precinct in, in the Fordham section of the Bronx and other precincts draped in black as they mourn the loss. Well, that, that was pretty much a day and a half ago that, that this happened. And then today, actually yesterday, the NYPD was swearing in new cadets. Can't think of a more important job than having great men and women on the police force in New York City. And I couldn't think of a more important place for the mayor of New York to be other than at the swearing-in of the new class of officers who are about to get their assignments 
a day after one member of the force was killed, assassinated, kind of would have seemed important to me. But no, the mayor of New York didn't have time, didn't have a moment in his busy schedule to be driven over to the swearing-in. I think it's at one police plaza. He didn't even have to leave Manhattan Island. This is a guy who gets chauffeured to a gym every morning, even though he has one within walking distance. This is a guy who is among the entitled progressive class, and this is why I call them Mercedes Maoists, because that's how they live. This is a guy who doesn't respect, I believe, the men and women of law enforcement. Otherwise, why would you blow off the NYPD graduation ceremony, the swearing in of all those new officers who probably nervous the day after Officer Familia was assassinated? Why would you do it? I'm sure he had a good reason, right? Well, if you ask, if you ask why the mayor wasn't there, you're told uh, scheduling conflict. And what's the scheduling conflict? The mayor of New York skipped the NYPD swearing-in ceremony so he could pack his bags and get ready to fly to Hamburg, Germany to join the protesters at the G20. I wish I were kidding. I wish I were kidding about this. In a last-minute announcement... He was said that he, quote, will attend several events surrounding the G20 summit, including Saturday's Hamburg Zeithaltung rally, which that means Hamburg shows altitude. He'll be, according to uh, documents from the Hamburg Zeithaltung, he will be the keynote speaker. And they're paying for his trip, at least the taxpayers aren't. The mayor's also going to stop over in Berlin where his son Dante is in a summer internship program. And I'm sure he had all summer to do that. Dante's going to be there all summer. Dad could go by just about any weekend. But the weekend after a NYPD officer is assassinated and a new class is sworn in seems to be kind of insensitive, doesn't it? Kind of an insult to those men and women. Just, um, I, I don't know how you get past this. The city is in mourning. The leadership should be there in mourning, too. All of this reminded me of a great, a great piece of audio from one of the great voices in talk radio. And um, it's, it's a, a really about how I view police. And I'll share it with you. From Paul Harvey, next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. There's no way 
There's absolutely no way to say thank you enough to cops. Ever. So in order to make up for Bill de Blasio and his stiffing the NYPD to go protest the G20, I share with you Paul Harvey, the legend, the radio legend Paul Harvey, who left us in 2009, and his tribute to the policeman. Policeman. A policeman is a composite of what all men are, I guess, a mingling of saint and sinner, dust and deity, called statistics, wave the fan over stinkers, underscore instances of dishonesty and brutality because they are news. What that really means is that they are exceptional. They are unusual. They are not commonplace. Buried under the froth is the fact. And the fact is that less than one half of one percent of policemen misfit that uniform. And that is a better average than you'd find among clergymen. What is a policeman? He of all men is at once the most needed and the most wanted, a strangely nameless creature who is sir to his face and pig or worse behind his back. He must be such a diplomat that he can settle differences between individuals so that each will think he won, but if a policeman is neat, he's conceited. If he's careless, he's a bum. If he's pleasant, he's a flirt. If he's not, he's a grouch. He must make instant decisions which would require months for a lawyer, but if he hurries, he's careless. If he's deliberate, he's lazy. He must be first to an accident, infallible with a diagnosis. He must be able to start breathing, stop bleeding, tie splints, and above all, be sure the victim goes home without a limp or expect to be sued. The police officer must know every gun, draw on the run, and hit where it doesn't hurt. He must be able to whip two men twice his size and half his age without damaging his uniform and without being brutal. If you hit him, he's a coward. If he hits you, he's a bully. A policeman must know everything and not tell. He must know where all of the sin is and not partake. The policeman from a single human hair must be able to describe the crime, the weapon, the criminal, and tell you where the criminal is hiding, but if he catches the criminal, he's lucky. If he doesn't, he's a dunce. If he gets promoted, he has political pull. If he doesn't, he's a dullard. The policeman must chase bum leads to a dead end, stake out ten nights to tag one witness who saw it happen but refuses to remember. He runs files and writes reports until his eyes ache to build a case against some felon who will get dealed out by a shameless Seamus or an honorable who isn't honorable. The policeman must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And, of course, he'll have to be a genius because he'll have to feed a family on a policeman's salary. Any questions? When that came out, the average cop's salary was somewhere between forty dollars and $60,000. Not a whole lot of money by today's standards, especially when you consider most men and women who work in the law enforcement, are family people, and they do have risks involved in their jobs every day. 
I don't know too many careers outside of uh, the first responders and, and the military where you actually wonder if someone's going to come home that day, if they're going to make it back. So, Mayor de Blasio, you are the jack wagon of the week, sir. And I know you're not flying coach across the ocean because I know some radical liberal group is paying for a first class ticket to you for you to fly across so you can be there instead of home doing what you should be doing, taking care of a grieving family and maybe, just maybe rallying the men and women of the NYPD. Michael Pelka taking a break. We'll be right back. Opelka. With Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Michael Pelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Piero Pelka, second hour of the program here. We're celebrating Friday. That means it is a free-for-all Friday. You're welcome to join the conversation at any time on any subject that you want to talk about. We'll try and have a reasonable conversation. I have a few things I would like to discuss between now and the end of the show, and we're also monitoring what's going on overseas. We're keeping an eye on whatever's happening at the G20 right now. They're all going to dinner. <laughs> you know how these, these are like those company meetings where you have your, your training sessions through the day and then they're the breakout meetings and then everybody gets together for cocktails and dinner. That's what's going on now. The Trumps were just seen walking down the steps to wherever they're having their G20 banquet. And um, I, I'm sure that that Mrs. Trump will be getting plenty of love and support from the fashion community for her style. And if she doesn't, it's just because they're a bunch of haters and they wanted Hillary in there. But I can't imagine. Just thank God. Thank God indeed. But the phones are open. 888-900-3393-888-900-3393. It is a Friday. We have to have some fun today, too. We have to look at some of the stupid stuff that's out there. And there is plenty of stupid stuff out there to go around. Uh, We're still watching to see if there's any more confirmation on the Associated Press reporting that talked about a possible ceasefire starting Sunday in southwest Syria that the U.S. and Russia were going to announce this together. And maybe that'll happen when Rex Tillerson holds the briefing after the two-hour-plus meeting that President Trump just finished with Vladimir Putin. We'll see. We shall see. Coming up this hour, I want to talk about Justice Roberts and why Justice Roberts wants graduates to have a tough time. Yesterday, at the end of the show... I briefly mentioned Billy Joel. Billy Joel was a commencement speaker 
at the high school that he did not graduate from when he was 18 years old. Billy Joel missed his high school graduation by one credit. He was one credit short. And this is 50 years ago. So Billy Joel missed out his high school graduation, went on to become the superstar musician that he is. And in 1992, so 25 years ago, the school went, you know, maybe if we give Billy Joel a diploma, maybe he'll throw us a little, you know, something, a little cash. Maybe we'll have a Billy Joel music room here at the high school. Who knows? So the school wisely granted Billy a high school diploma. I guess they filled in that last credit on uh, work experience, <laughs> real world experience. Good for them. But Billy returned, and I only had five seconds of his commencement speech as we were ending the show yesterday. So I tracked it down, and I want to share with you. It's about a minute and 10 seconds of Billy Joel telling the kids on Long Island, the high school grads, a little bit of the truth about the world. Right now, you're probably at the height of your idealism. As time goes on, uh, you may become cynical, you may become skeptical, um, you may just become disengaged from the way things are. But right now, you're as idealistic as you're ever going to be. And that 18-year-old, you can take that with you the rest of your life whenever you need to know what's the right thing to do. You may know the smart thing to do, you may know the convenient thing to do, you may know the lucrative thing to do, you may know the easy thing to do, but you may not always know later in life what's the right thing, what, what's the right thing. But that 18 year old is gonna be a real pain in the ass and, and be telling you this is what the right thing is. And I hope that you hold on to that, I hope you remember that. Who you are today is going to be very important who you are later in life because you'll always know what the right thing is. And if you want to do the right thing, that 18-year-old being there kicking your butt. I think that's great advice. I think Billy Joel's got it. You know, we all need a mixture, a combination of the things we know to be right and then we look at the situation and go, yeah, but I could make a ton of money on this one. Well, the money isn't always going to be there, but doing the right thing will give you the appropriate feeling, karma, whatever. And doing the right thing does matter. So I, I certainly appreciate Billy Joel talking to the high school kids. Now, the college kids are a little different. So can you imagine the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court coming to deliver the commencement address at your school? Can you imagine Justice John Roberts standing up there? Uh, the Chief Justice of the Supreme Court, I'm sorry, it wasn't a, a college, it was a ninth grade commencement. And this makes it even more impressive what Justice Roberts said, because I think this is the Chief Justice saying to these ninth graders that uh, what, what you're about to experience in life, and, and he basically feels like they're all smart enough to handle it, uh, what you're about to experience in life may not be all the perfection you've heard about. And so um, 
we will it's only I've only got about a minute of just Justice Roberts speech here. But this is what Justice Roberts said to the kids at uh, Cardigan Mountain School. And this is um, I just think this is fantastic. From time to time in the years to come, I hope you will be treated unfairly so that you will come to know the value of justice. I hope that you will suffer betrayal because that will teach you the importance of loyalty. Sorry to say, but I hope you will be lonely from time to time so that you don't take friends for granted. I wish you bad luck again from time to time so that you will be conscious of the role of chance in life and understand that your success is not completely deserved and that the failure of others is not completely deserved either. And when you lose as you will from time to time, I hope every now and then your opponent will gloat over your failure. It is a way for you to understand the importance of sportsmanship. I hope you'll be ignored so you know the importance of listening to others. And I hope you will have just enough pain to learn compassion. Kind of a beautiful statement, right? I hope you'll <laughs> I hope you'll be ignored so you'll understand what it means to listen to people. I hope you'll be lonely. I I just yeah, it's a I think it's a very very ingenious way to turn a commencement speech on its side. Uh, and uh, speaking of turning a commencement speech on its side, uh, we're, we're going to turn the show on its side for a minute. Mark in Maryland is checking in on the Free For All Friday. How you doing, Mark? Uh, I just wanted to know uh, how, how much of the house you burnt now while having your barbecue. Oh, I burned down zero portion of the house because, uh, as Mark was talking about, all of the discussions we had with um, with the chef last week, Carl Ruiz, the Mad Cuban, who I think is going to be making more appearances on the show. He uh, he's got some new free time available, but uh, I do all my my series barbecuing outdoors, um, and I've never I I've always wanted to do the. Um, when you put the turkey in the hot oil, but I know enough not to do it indoors. I, I we have a neighbor who burned down a garage, and so uh, I, I'm smart enough to know that that's that's not the way to go. But I'm thinking about doing some barbecuing this weekend. What I would love to do is, um, and and we have totally gone off the rails here. I would love to do the dig a hole and and line it with rocks and coals and then cook a pig in the hole which uh i did it with my grandfather when i was a kid in the backyard in the suburbs of chicago and my mother almost lost it we dug a hole and put the put the rocks in and then put the charcoal in and then ended up cooking a 25 pound suckling pig in the backyard and uh it was delicious but mom was not happy (laughs) you know so what what can I say? But you, I tend to get in trouble when I would hang out with my grandparents. But that's that's the way things go. Uh, well, you, what, what, you got to make what, sure you use the wet banana leaves when you're doing that kind of cooking. Wet banana leaves. What do I do with wet banana? I'm going to have to ask the chef about this. But what what the heck is wet banana leaves have to do with anything? 
Oh, it seals in the moisture. It protects the meat from uh, the burning up and all that good stuff like that. When you go to uh, flip the pig over, put more wet banana leaves in there and uh, put it right on top. And, so it oh, sounds and like put more wet banana leaves over top of that. Oh, you talk. Oh, you're talking barbacoa. Oh, man, that is really excellent. Uh, when I was down in Florida several years back visiting family down there, uh, one of the uh, gentlemen married a Cuban lady, and she mm. could cook. Oh, and she would wrap rice up inside of uh, the banana leaves. And, oh, oh, oh man. I'm salivating all over the <laughs> Welcome to our Friday food segment on Puro Pelka. <laughs> Mark, Mark, thank you for joining. Always a pleasure, my friend. No topic is off limits today. It's a Friday free-for-all. The phones are open, 888 I'm looking at stories that interest me today. I'm looking at, uh, obviously, I'm looking at the news, too, because we we have big news going on. Right now, the only thing I think uh, to worry about in the G20 is will will things heat up once again as the sun starts to go down? Uh, because uh, I think tomorrow is the biggest day for protest. That's when New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio shows up to be part of the protest. Jack wagon. Uh, I'm going to step aside. When we come back, we might play the uh, fake news, real news game. Uh, we might look at... Uh, there. There is... Um, John Podesta's story is troubling me. And um, there's also, there's also a, um, a comparison of the G20 protesters to some of the protesters from the 60s that I want to get to. Man, you know, man. But we will, um, we'll deal with that just around the corner on Pure Opelka. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. We are uh, now uh, seeing the rest of the world is reporting what we told you almost an hour ago, that uh, apparently there will be a ceasefire announced by the United States and Russia, a ceasefire over southwestern Syria. That's good. That's good. The Associated Press gave us the tip. So um, it's not like we broke it, but the AP sent it out that their sources were solid and they have been confirmed and now a lot of the uh, big folks are jumping on it. But that's good news. And uh, I hope it holds. The last time that happened, it lasted all of, uh, what was it, eight days in September of last year. Yeah. Good news. Uh, And other good news, uh, let me give you guys a tip. Uh, I'm doing this and I think you should do it too. I'm looking at getting life insurance, uh, term life insurance. It's a, a mystery. The world is a mystery to me. Term life insurance, a mystery. But I want to make sure that, that my 
my other half is covered, so I'm looking for a policy and I want a good deal. We have a new sponsor here, HealthIQ.com. HealthIQ.com. And if you go to HealthIQ.com slash blaze, you can get a free quote and you can see what they're offering. And, And this is life insurance with some of the biggest names in the business. But how is it different? How is it different? How is how are they able to do it so it's cheaper? Well, it's about being able to give good rates to people who are health conscious. So they'll ask you questions about how you live your life. Do you smoke? Do you drink? Do you? And you can drink. You just, you know, you can't be drinking a fifth of booze every day. But um, are you conscious of a healthy lifestyle? What's your What's your health footprint? Now, I took the quiz. I got a good score. I had a long conversation about my life and how I live it and how much, how much vegetables I consume. And I'm a vegetable lover. And what I do for exercise. And they said, you know, based on what you've told us, if it all checks out, we can get you this rate for this much. And I went, holy cow. So if you're looking for insurance and you want something that bases it on your, your health consciousness and not just your, your age and your gender. Check out healthiq.com slash the blaze. Healthiq.com slash the blaze. I have my uh, medical exam next week. And if all goes well, as I expect it will, bingo. I'm going to be with a major carrier at a great rate, cheaper than what I saw through uh, an insurance company I've been buying car insurance from for decades. So check out healthiq.com slash the blaze. It's a better idea for health conscious people to get life insurance. All right. So coming up around the corner, we'll get into John Podesta because I think John Podesta, I think John Podesta is telling a story. I think he's, he's fibbing a little bit. And I also have some crazy news I need to get to. Uh, as as we wrap up the week and we look ahead to Saturday, you know, Saturday morning on The Blaze, uh, we will kick off programming at 6 a.m. live with a brand new Puro Pelka. And right after me is is Jeffy, the Jeff Fisher show. And I like to try and predict what stories Jeffy's going to hit. So I will go through and find uh, basically stories that are kind of on the border of appropriate or inappropriate and try and predict which ones he's going to do. So I'm going to give you a preview of some of the things I think Jeff Fisher will be covering. You, you just heard the promo where Jeffy was talking about, well, he called it fake news. But I think he wanted to believe it, really. And so I'll get into that with you. I, I also have um, the story that I think uh, I'm looking back at these G20 protesters. These G20 protesters who are remind me of the Occupy Wall Street crowd on steroids, who remind me of the people that Glenn highlighted when he talked about the coming insurrection almost four or five summers ago when we saw all the cars being burned in the suburbs of Paris, that all this was predictable. And these people just seem, seem to make a career of going to... Um, these, these uh, G20, G8, G-whatever events and trying to cause havoc because they hate capitalism. They hate freedom. These are people who 
want government to tell everybody what to do and how to live, and yet they're out there protesting government, and it's just because it's not the government they want. This is a top-down, bottom-up type philosophy, and that never works. They have giant signs outside of the uh, event that say, Welcome to Hell, and that's what they're calling the G20, Hell. Uh, And they also have signs that say, Capitalism Kills. I don't know if you've seen them on, on any of the news reports. But capitalism is the source of more freedom and, and, and more prosperity than anything anyone could ever imagine. We'll talk about capitalism versus communism, socialism, state-controlled economies just around the corner. Next, I'm Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. Uh, welcome back to Pure Opelka. It's a free-for-all Friday. If you want to discuss anything, we've already had some interesting discussions about barbecuing and about President Trump and why the Republicans can't seem to help him push his agenda out. The phone number is 888 900 Uh By the way, if you're a dad and you have a daughter, today is uh, father-daughter-take-a-walk day. I hope you do that. I hope you do it and get a little exercise because it's also Strawberry Sunday day. And uh, doesn't that sound good? I, I wonder if you have to be checking in with a daddy-daughter walk in order to earn your your strawberry Sunday. I, I would love a strawberry Sunday, but I'm, I'm trying to stay healthy, you see, to get that good insurance rate, as we talked about last break. Now, I've been watching, I've been watching what's going on at the G20 and these protesters. Interestingly enough that Angela Merkel, Angela Merkel is uh, not happy about the uh, protesters. Well, you can be as not happy as you want to be. I'd be more concerned about the damage they're doing to uh, Hamburg and about the the 120 plus members of the police and military who have been hurt by these. These people, they've been hit by bottles and rocks and they're throwing explosive devices. Uh, You know, we call them Molotov cocktails in the British reporting. They say there have been petroleum bombs. That have been thrown. Yeah, those are Molotov cocktails. And what do these people want? That's what I would like to know. What do they want? They want a total dismantling of capitalism. And see, I don't think they understand it. 
I don't think they understand it at all. They have no idea what they're talking about. They they simply they're simply whining because it's not where if they put half of the effort into creating something that works, something successful, can you imagine what these people would be achieving in their lives? It it is amazing. And yet, at least I will give I will give Germany this credit. At least Germany has done this and told the protesters, you can't cover your faces. Your faces have to be exposed. And that seems to cut down some of the the most radical members of these groups are are all wrapped up. And, yeah, there's a few people out there trying to cover their faces, but uh, not not as much as we've seen in, in previous times. And Germany, I give them credit. The water cannons do seem to be holding the crowds at bay. And uh, they seem to have made it so they have a protected perimeter around the area where the meetings are going on and now where the, uh, di- the dinner, they're actually having an entertainment portion before the dinner. But as I'm watching these protesters and they're out there screaming and hollering and some of them have signs and some of them have costumes, uh, I'm reminded of the 60s. Because I was a very, very young child in the 60s growing up and watching the protests, uh, some of them about the Vietnam War, some of them about inequality, some of them about race and race relations in America. And I go back to a, a, classic, a classic episode of, of the television show Dragnet with Jack Webb. And it was a really cut and dried show. It was the dialogue was dry, but within it, there were messages within it. There were uh, explanations of of what I thought were common sense problem, common sense explanations to problems we were facing during the day. It wasn't like a, a cop show that showed solving crimes. It wasn't a procedural drama where you saw Columbo figuring out who killed the person. It wasn't a law and order type thing. It was often a commentary. And Sergeant Friday, Sergeant Joe Friday, which is Jack Webb's character, would often encounter hippies. And they looked like whenever you'd see some of the uh, some of the places where they'd catch the hippies, these were always these flea bag apartments that had uh, beanbag chairs on the floor. And the guys, they they thought they had really long hair at the time, but it looks pretty normal today. And yet they were considered long-haired freaks in their Nehru jackets, man. And they were talking about the system oppressing them. But uh, one, one of those that, that struck a chord with me was when uh, Joe Friday and his partner Bill Gannon ran into some teenagers who wanted to start a new country, man, where everything would be fair and we wouldn't have the oppression of the system. And uh, this was this was all before the the bicentennial of the nation. This all predated the seventeen the nineteen seventy six celebration of our two hundredth anniversary, which makes it kind of interesting. But here's just a, a little snippet of what Jack Webb said. Don't think you have a corner on all of virtue vision in the country or that everybody else is fat and selfish and you're the first generation to come along that's felt dissatisfied. They all have, you know, about different things. And most of them didn't have the same opportunity and freedoms that you do. 
Let's talk poverty. Most places in the world, that's not a problem. It's a way of life. And rights? They're liable to give you a blank stare because they may not know what you're talking about. The fact is, more people are living better right here than anywhere else ever before in history. So don't expect us to roll over and play dead when you say you're dissatisfied. It's not perfect, but it's a great deal better than when we grew up. A hundred men standing in the street hoping for one job, selling apples on the street corner. That's one of the things we were dissatisfied about, and you don't see that much anymore. You're- Interesting, right? Interesting, the comparison. These, these, these kids, these youths wanted to start a new country because they didn't think America was good enough. They wanted to change it. You've grown up on instant orange juice. Flip a dial, instant entertainment. Dial seven digits, instant communication. Turn a key, push a pedal, instant transportation. Flash a card, instant money. Shove in a problem, push a few buttons, instant answers. But some problems you can't get quick answers to no matter how much you want them. Good answer, right? And it's the same thing today. We have everything at our fingertips. And yet there are problems that we can't solve. There are problems that aren't solved instantaneously. There are problems that you just can't change with with a simple snap of your fingers. I, I thought this was a, a great little piece of writing in television. And uh, I, I think uh, I think I've got the end of it here that where uh, Sergeant Friday delivers uh, a really rock solid finish to this discussion. Had to help him see the light. That's his partner. Be careful of his rights, because your property and your person and your rights aren't any better than his. And next time, you may be the one to get it. We remember a man who killed six million people and called it social improvement. Interesting. You can find answers to the problems that we're facing today, or at least wisdom to bring attention to the problems we face today in much of our past, either in our literature or our entertainment. And there was a time when literature was entertainment. So I do think it's important to to remember that the 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 unrest and the unhappiness that's out on the streets of of Hamburg is nothing new. It's actually quite quite similar to what we've seen before. And I mentioned that as recent as the the summertime riots in the ghettos of France where the burning of the cars was a nightly event and that we we would wake up in the morning and count how many cars had been burned. And that was the summer Glenn brought back the translation of the coming insurrection. And this was the crack open of the door when the progressive and the and the super radical progressives rushed in and tried to get a toehold in Western society, into Western governments. And it started in Europe and it has tried to gain a foothold here in America. It tried with Occupy Wall Street, unsuccessfully so. But it is, um, it is not working. I want to talk to our friend in Dayton, Ohio, but I'm, I'm almost up against the break. So let's take a quick break and come back and talk to, is it Bill? Well, let me take a break so I can have some big time with Bill on the other side. Bill in Dayton, Ohio, hang on. I want to hear what you're up to next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network.
You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back. Just checking out uh, Rex Tillerson, Secretary of State, and the audio press briefing he's giving after the two-hour-plus meeting between President Trump and President Putin. And we heard a little bit about the announcement of the ceasefire, which is supposed to go into effect on Sunday morning. And it is uh, negotiated between America, Russia, and Jordan's involved, which that makes me feel good. I'm very keen on Jordan having an active role in the region. They are a good friend and a firewall between uh, Israel and much of the bad action going on in that region. So that's good news. Also, according to Tillerson, the president approached the meddling in our election more than once and pressed Putin on it. Now, I don't know what that exactly means, but we will see. We will see. So there's some news out of it. There'll be more. We'll parse this out, and I'm sure the liberty-loving Latino will have more to say on this. Uh, 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 Bill in uh, Dayton, Ohio, is on the phone on a a free-for-all Friday. Welcome to the show, sir. Thank you, Michael. How you doing? I'm good. What's on your mind on this free-for-all Friday? Well, I tell you, you have brought up a bevy of topics, um, but the one that got me was the protesters Mm -hmm. and how people forget their history. Do you know that during the Vietnam War, when we bombed Hanoi and maybe Haiphong back into the 30s, the communists were ready to quit. They were getting their white flags out. And then they saw the news reports out of this country with the protests against the war. And those protesters gave them heart, and they said, we need to battle on. They had the white flags out. And That's a great point. It's just, it, it, and then when they, you know, the stuff that we've had in this country just the last couple of years of protesters, and it's just like, it, it, you can't do it like that. It, it doesn't work. Well, and I, go ahead. I was, I was there at the start of Occupy Wall Street, at the beginning of Occupy Wall Street, uh, when the blaze was a tiny entity in, in the world of news. There were a couple of us, Buck Sexton and myself, who were given the green light to spend some time in the camp at Zuccotti Park among the protesters. And I got pretty much embedded with the protesters, and I started to hear what they were saying. And most of them were just lost boys, in my mind. And there were lost women there, too. But most of them were lost boys who grew up without a direction. So they were, they were uh, subject to a lot of uh, college brainwashing and media brainwashing. And I will tell you that the communism and the communists and, and those, those uh, uber left in the, in the other parts of the world watch our news reports and watch to see what the youth are doing. And they are emboldened by the lack of an understanding of our freedoms and the lack of commitment yes. to our Constitution, and the lack of belief in self, which is, I think, where a lot of this goes to. That if, if we would raise generations that have a true belief in themselves and know that they can do the job and get it done and achieve what they want to, 
I don't think they'd be out there saying, we need more fairness, which means we need more socialism. I know it's not a, it's a muddy a, answer. I was, I was listening Go to ahead. a guy in Chicago during all of that, and he went down and talked to them. And he asked them, you know, what's your point? What are you going to do? What, what, what do you do? And their answers were full of fluff and air, and there was nothing. Well, we're, we're going to have a meeting, and we're going we're to work on our, our direction. And what direction is that? Well, that's to be decided uh, at, at the meeting. And well, well, what was uh, – did you have a meeting yesterday? Yes, we did. Well, what was decided at the, at the meeting? Well, we talked a lot, and it was all fluff. You know, the thing is, is that people want to be led. They'll do something if they have a leader. And, and you pointed out the kids that were lost, and, you know, they, they just want to be led. And they want to be led. I've only got like a minute before I've got a hard break. You're, you're right that people want to be led. But I also I will make the argument that people want to be led unless they are taught that they can lead themselves, that they can be responsible for their own actions. But we have taken specifically men and made them now children until they are 26 years old. And we have delayed adulthood to the point where we have created dependent generations. And that's where I think these snowflake factories have come into, into play. I'm, I'm sorry I cut you off, but we're, we're up against the, uh, the giant hard wall at the end of the hour. The right. free-for-all Friday will continue into the third hour. And uh, we do have to talk about fake news, and, and I've got... I've got some more for you. I've got a bunch of crazy stories. We'll get to them just around the corner on Pure Opelka. Come on back. With Michael Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network. The Blaze Radio Network. On demand. You're listening to Pure Opelka. This is Pure Opelka. With Michael Pelka. Only on the Blaze Radio Network. Third hour. Welcome to it. It is Friday on Pure Opelka, and we are covering news, but we're also looking at, at things that are kind of different today, things that are a little bit out of the ordinary, and things that interest me. Uh, I, I'm intrigued by many different topics today, as it's been a crazy week, and there are all kinds of things that are swirling out there. We were talking about why the protesters at the G20 do what they do, and I do believe reflecting on it a little bit deeper. I do believe it's because we have not raised a generation or two generations with the knowledge that they can do pretty much whatever they want. And I'm not talking about just running around and, and lighting cars on fire, but I'm, I'm talking about they can create things. You just point to Facebook and, and Uber and, and Tesla and things that were created out of, out of air, that were ideas, that people who believed that the freedom that could be found here could afford them the opportunity to succeed. 
But everybody wants the easy route. Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die, as it were. And part of that is the, the problem of, of how everything is depicted, of course. But it's also a problem of how people are raised. I, I looked at this, and this is so bizarre. And I wondered, it's, it's so off topic and so bizarre, I'm, I'm almost afraid to bring it up. But I'm looking at uh, the, the tabloids from New York. I check them out every day. Habit. Old habits die hard. And I'm looking at the New York Post, which is a little more right-leaning than the Daily News, which is very left-leaning. Both of them took um, Mayor de Blasio to task, by the way. The New York City mayor didn't stick around for the NYPD this weekend. He's taken off to go be with the protesters. Both papers took him to task, which means it's really wrong. But in, in the New York Post, there is a story. I don't read the gossip pages because most of the names in the bold face, I don't remember anymore or don't know them. But in one corner of the pages, it said, number two for Nikki. Nikki Hilton and her husband, James Rothschild, are going to be parents for a second time. And I thought, first of all, the Hiltons and the Rothschilds got together. If that doesn't sound like old American money, I don't know what does. But I always wonder, out of the two Hilton kids, how did one become Paris Hilton that we all watched just lead a life of debauchery and, and, and insa not insanity, but frivolity? And Nikki Hilton, who who seems to have stayed out of all of the gossip pages. How, how did one take one turn and the other take the other, that, that very bizarre left turn? And I have to say, it's probably parenting. It's probably a parent saying at one point to one of them, no, cut it out. You're not doing that. And then I hear a report over the break, uh, the news, I, I do listen to our news, that there were, what was it, three people were gored today on the beginning of the running of the bulls in Pamplona? And the question in my mind is, why? Why are you running with bulls in Pamplona? First of all, the bulls can run up to 35 miles an hour. The fastest human can only run, I think it's, it's 20 miles an hour, and that's not for a very long distance. You've seen the streets of Pamplona. They're, they're cobblestones, which are slippery because you always see the bulls falling. So can you imagine driving a car on those cobblestones? And God forbid there's a little rain. And, and so who the hell is running with the bulls? Why? Why are we doing? Yes, I know it was, it was popularized by Hemingway in a book to the point where a bunch of idiots will do it every year. So the running of the bulls has started. The, um, the confluence of several festivals that come together in Pamplona and the fiestas of uh, San Fermin to honor the, the saint. Now, the, uh, the patron saint, uh, Saint Fermin, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, kind of a crazy thing. When, when, when a person is canonized or becomes a saint, they, they generally have to have uh, several miracles associated with them. And none of them can be card tricks, I'm just saying. And there is a, there's a story, the legend of the miracles, 
that uh, surround St. Fermin at the time of, uh, I think it was about 600 A.D. They talked about a sweet odor arising from his grave, a smell that caused ice and snow to melt and flowers to grow, the sick to be cured and trees to lean and bend towards the burial ground. I guess those are miracles, but uh, so this is all about the celebration of a saint, Saint Fermin. And he's associated with uh, the running of the bulls because he he was, I think, the first bishop, the first archbishop of that of that region. So he's he's part of this deal. But why do if anyone out there has run with the bulls, I would like to know why other than because you thought it was going to be some wonderful, wonderful test of your manhood. Or did you just want to do it to to kind of live out? Hemingway's dream. You can talk about anything today. I've got I've got open phones today. It is a free for all Friday. I would love to know from anyone and I would love to see a photo of you running with the bulls. Now, people think this is fun. And if I were 18 and had the wherewithal, I might want to go and take a look. And I'm sure that if I saw 1200 pounds of raging animal running down the streets at 35 miles an hour, I would have a second thought because that horn is sharp. There have been, I believe, at least 15 people who have died at the festival, at the running of the bulls since 1924. And last year, at least four Americans were gored during the running. And we're only on, what is it, day one? And two Americans have already been injured. Uh, Dave in Illinois is checking in. Dave, are you calling to tell me that you ran with the bulls in Pamplona? I have run with the bulls in Pamplona, and uh, during the uh, summertime, I am a rodeo clown. Oh wow! So this is kind of like uh, this was kind of like work for you, <laughs> if I well, may. It uh, the Pamplona thing was more of a personal challenge. They challenging me, uh, and there are tricks to being around uh, those big nasty beasts. So I mean, you never run in a straight line. So to me, it was a challenge because those bulls don't have their uh, horns dulled. Where so I just wanted to see if I could do it. And when did you do it? I did, a, did it back in 2008. Oh, wow. And did you go uh, with a group of people? Did you go with some buddies? Uh, it was just me and my buddy, Mike. Uh, yeah, speaking of Mike. But, hey, if you want to go, uh, I think I still have some, uh, some uh, gas left in these knees. <laughs> well, look, my relief factor works pretty damn well, and I'm back to light <laughs> jogging, but I don't think I could outrun the beast. So uh, this is I'm curious about this. Did you employ any of the tactics you use as a rodeo clown uh, in, in your running with the bulls? The only real tactic I did was I got up high when I got a bull ne- up next to me. They've got walls and stuff that get built up uh, for the crowd 
And if you get up high, the bull can't get to you, of course. Bulls can't oh, wow. jump real well. So, oh. now, I'm, I'm gauging by your invitation to, to join you. You would do this again? Uh, yeah, but you'd have to give me some of your relief factor. I mean, <laughs> the, knees, the knees are getting kind of old. I'm, I'm 49, so... <laughs> Well, I'm. I'm. Uh, I, I think I probably would have been coerced as a younger man. I really think I would go as an observer at this point, and 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 want to wear body armor. Should I do it? But I just, <laughs> as a grown up, uh, and it's not that long ago that so you were in your early forties when you tried this. Yeah, yeah, I'd been uh, rodeo clowning. Of course, I don't. I'm not on like the PBR tour. Uh, uh, um, I, I do mostly small rodeos, uh, no real rank bulls. So, uh, it's, it's not like I'm, uh, putting myself in real danger right now or ever have been, but you know, it, it, you know, you can go to rodeo clown school, get a one day, uh, uh, <laughs> little course just to you know, just to see how you would do. Uh, well, I, if you consider yourself uh, athletic at all, it, 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 it'd be cool. Yeah, it's an interesting thing. I, I would love to find out where the Rodeo Clown School is, because I think that might be a fascinating story. I, I might want one of the other younger Blaze Riders to do the actual experience, but <laughs> it would be interesting to see. So when you were there... Uh, Dave, any injuries to any of the crew that you were running with, the crowd you were with? No, no nobody I was with. There were a few people that got trampled. Some got gored, uh, you know, other than my crowd. And believe me, the, the emergency rooms are full on that day. But... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it's, it's the, the real danger is is when it, if a uh, one of the bulls gets separated from the the rest because the bulls pretty much run run the path that is set up for them. Uh, so what what happens if one of the bulls gets separated? That's that's if you're around one of the separated bulls, they get mean. That they'll uh, they'll start to go after people. Oh, you mean outside of the runners? They'll go off into like the the crowd on side streets, or just in. Well, no, if they get separated from the rest of the herd. Hmm. Uh, if they get separated from their uh, their uh, you know from the pack that's running, because you you know you'll see a bull stumble, and you, you don't want to be around the lone the lone bull because that's when they get defensive. That's when they get mean. That's kind of like. You know, when you separate anybody, you know, separate any uh, animal out of its natural pack, it wants to get back to the pack. Oh, I understand. So, I understand. That's wow, that's fascinating. You're, you, you're the first person I've talked to who's actually done it, and you're also the first person I've talked to who probably had the training to do it. The rest of them who <laughs> talked about it would just want to get all liquored up and make the effort. Now, were you... Uh, yeah. Were you overserved or emotionally lubricated when you started running? Actually, no. Uh, I was overserved the night before, so I was well hung over. But 
I, I believe me, that's uh, seeing those uh, those those nasty creatures come at you will sober you up quick. <laughs> I could imagine. I, I could imagine. Well, great stories. I hope you have pictures. I hope you 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 took. Did you wear all white with the red belt and the 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 bandana and everything? Yeah, I, I, I wore the red sash. I didn't wear anything on my head. Uh, I, I, I thought about wearing my cowboy hat, but that then I thought it might be a little disrespectful to the to the uh, people of Spain. And I love the Spanish people; they're so great. Uh, well, they can party. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Did you attend the bullfights in the evening? Oh yes, I did. Yes, I did. Now, is there is there fresh steak served after the bullfights? That's the nicest way I can put this. Uh, I didn't stick around for that part. You know, I, I attended the bullfights, and then I had to get back to uh, back to home ground because I had a some business to take care of. So, uh, I. Honestly, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you what they do with the dead bulls. <laughs> okay. Well, it's just a just a question. I've got uh, less than a minute to go here, Dave. Uh, now that I know about your hobbies and your uh, summertime work as a rodeo clown, what what do you do in life the rest of the time? I drive a truck. Another one of our beloved truckers on the road. What are you hauling today? Right now, I'm hauling nothing but sailboat fuel. I just emptied out uh, up in uh, by Jackson, and I'm down here by New Orleans to wash out and uh, get a new load. Well, be be careful and be safe and get home okay, and everybody else keep your eyes out for our trucker buddies on the road. Thank you for sharing the information and the stories. Hold on just a second. I got something just for you, buddy. Okay. There you go. I love it. I love it. I appreciate it. Thank you, Dave. Be safe, and the rest of you will be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. On the Blaze Radio Network. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. I'm I'm just going through some of the some of the mail that I get every time we talk about Relief Factor and and the people who have joined me in trying to use an all natural method to eliminate the pain that I used to have in my joints, in my knees, in my back, in my neck, in my hips. Uh, and I've been doing this since early April, and it worked for me starting on day eight. I'm no longer taking any kind of over-the-counter meds. I don't take prescription meds. But Todd Bennett tried Relief Factor, too. He went to relieffactor.com and then uh, told us about his experience. So I got a job with a cable company, and in December 2005, I fell from a highline pole. And morphine, Oxycontin. All that stuff. I was in bed for the last probably eight years of my life. Got the relief factor two weeks later. I got up out of bed. I could go like this. I stood up, and it was just wow. I mean, it, the pain wasn't all the way gone. 
it's enough to where I could get out of bed in the morning. I look forward to getting up out of bed. Uh, I do yard work now, back in the wood shop, woodworking, and just actually living my life. I'm not, not dull no more, you know? <laughs> I don't think Todd Bennett was ever dull. I, I look at this guy, and I can look in his eyes and see that he's a guy who enjoys living life, and I'm glad Relief Factor helped him the way it helped me. Uh, if you want to know more, if you want to get the three-week quick start pack, which is 1995 to try it. It usually works between seven and 10 days for people. Go to relieffactor.com, find out for yourself, or call them, 800-500-8384, 800-500-834. It's Relief Factor. I'm, I'm, I'm rapidly checking all the stories that I want to get to, and I'm trying to catch up to myself here. Uh, the story I mentioned, Jeffy's going to do stories tomorrow that I know I'm guaranteeing you, Jeffy, I'm making a prediction here. The Jeff Fisher show tomorrow, which follows Pierre Opelka, Pierre Opelka is on from, uh, 6 AM. Yeah. We'll be live at 6 AM tomorrow and we will uh, be there until 9 AM when Jeffy stumbles in. I'm guaranteeing you, Jeffy is going to do a story about a, a naked woman who, got angry because the car she bought broke down. And the way she protests is getting naked and going to the home of the car dealer who sold her the car. I'm just making a prediction, so stay tuned. It's not fake news. I'm making a prediction. Jeffy's going to do that story. I'm also making a prediction. Jeffy's going to do a story that's on The Blaze today. It's a story from my buddy Dave Urbanski. And I, I, I don't know if I've ever said this word on the Blaze Radio. I'm kind of nervous that if I say it, I'll get suspended or in trouble. But it's on theblaze.com and it's not bleeped or cut out. Story about a vegan cafe owner and the word butthole is in the title. Are we allowed to say that? I, I better take a break and make a phone call. We'll be right back. You're listening to Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Pure Opelka with Mike Opelka. On the Blaze Radio Network. Well, I'm still here. The hotline didn't ring and I wasn't thrown off the radio, but uh, it's there's still time. As I, as I did read a story headline on the Blaze that I'm, I'm guessing Jeffy's going to cover this tomorrow. Uh, I'm not going to get into the story. Suffice it to say, it's actually very funny. Vegan cafe owner publicly shames customer whose review says toddler showed, quote, butthole during meal. Um, yeah, about those things you write online, that reminds me of a story that I meant to share with you today, a story about a person who decided that they were going to have some fun, uh, with an online review. And this is one of those things, one of those lessons, again, uh, we're, we're in the last half hour of this Friday free-for-all. You're welcome to call in and join, join the conversation. As you heard, we just had a fascinating discussion about, uh, about running with the bulls 
and a, a gentleman who's, who's actually done it. Uh, but the number triple eight nine hundred three three nine three eight 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 nine zero zero three three nine three. But I read this story this morning, and I thought you have got to be a real. Uh, let's say you were re- reacting and weren't thinking through when you did this. A stockbroker on Long Island was ticked off. He was ticked off when his name was mentioned online in a blog post. And the the story here is that a, a law firm, very important element to this story, a law firm posted a story about some of the work that they do. They handle stock fraud cases. Now, this guy, this, this Anthony Pupo, P-U-P-P-O, Anthony Pupo, saw that he was mentioned in the, in the blog post by a law firm, Fittipelli Curta is the name of the law firm, Fittipelli Curta. So he decided what he would do was put some reviews, some comments under the blog post. But he wasn't going to use his own name. He was going to put statements that criticized the blog post and made fun of the firm. For example, he said things like, horrible experience dealing with this firm. Every positive review is fake. Well, if you're going to do stuff like that and you're not a real person... You don't do it to a law firm. And when you do it, you also don't use aliases that are obviously fake. He wrote those reviews under names like Pepe Roney, Alcoholic, Sal Lamy, and Cole Cuts. Obviously, this, this Anthony Pupo, who wrote these angry reviews that that smeared and besmirched the reputation of the law firm. He's obviously a fan of the Simpsons because I think those are some of the names that Bart Simpson used when he was prank calling Moe's bar. And he's saying, Hey, uh, is there an alcoholic at the bar? Yeah. So here's what happened. Pupo writes these horrible reviews, these nasty online comments about the firm uses aliases not thinking that, guess what? Every time you put something on the internet, there are fingerprints left by you, digital fingerprints, little tracks that can lead back to you. The law firm didn't take too kindly to the man and his clever names. And so guess what? He's now going to have to face a uh, pretty serious lawsuit for his comments. So uh, just just so you know, when you think you're being clever and you're putting anonymous comments online, uh, they can always lead back to you. Someone can always track back whatever you've put on anywhere, anytime. It doesn't just go away. And if you delete it, it's still somewhere. It's absolutely still somewhere. Just know it doesn't disappear. Now, while we're talking about dummies, um, my friends in California, my Puro Pelka fans in California and friends in California, anybody live near Thousand Oaks? Uh, This is the story of a person who is now being arrested, uh, was hauled in after the police came to his house because somebody said 
they thought they saw an alligator in the swimming pool. Not only did they find one alligator, there were several alligators. Uh, several alligators, rattlesnakes, vipers, Gila monsters, buckets filled with cobras, all in a residential neighborhood in Southern California. Uh, they're all illegal. You're not allowed to have dozens. You're not allowed to have one of these, much less dozens of them. And now they have a criminal investigation because the, the Cape Cobra, which was spotted in the neighborhood for the second time in three years, and led to two search warrants being issued. Uh, thank God the cobra didn't get somebody. A neighbor drove his car over the snake, killing it. Cape cobras, kind of very dangerous. Uh, one bite, one bite has enough poison to kill six people. One bite. They took this guy away, um, and they're holding him for cruelty to animals which I think is kind of bizarre. Uh, the neighborhood uh, is very happy. They saw, they, they initially saw this and said, oh, that's, that's a, uh, it's a residential neighborhood. First of all, let's, let's remember, this is a, a Los Angeles suburban residential neighborhood. The guy did claim he had permits for some of the animals, but he didn't have permits for all of them. And uh, based on reporting that was going on today on uh, CBS News from California, they were still pulling animals out of the house. The San Diego Zoo was asked to come in and take the cobra because it's uh, one of the only facilities in the country, one of two facilities in the country that has the ability to uh, deal with the anti-venom issues that are needed. So they've got the anti-venom there in case one of their people gets hit. Uh, they've, been, they've been looking for the cobra for four days. They've got enough problems in the neighborhood, according to the authorities. We've got enough problems with coyotes and rattlesnakes that we don't need these people having all kinds of their own exotic animals living at the home. Can you imagine? The snake was six feet long. And so, thank God, search warrants were executed. It took them, it took them days to track everything down. But uh, let's hope there aren't any more. But I, I say this all the time. Let's hope there aren't any more people doing dumb stuff like this. But invariably, we wake up and what happens? There are two or three people doing dumb stuff like this. A, a good story that I want to share with you, a, a story with a happy ending after six years do you remember, and I think we talked about this story a while back, about the story of Charles Williams, the guy who actually outfitted his garage at his home with uh, a lift like one you would find at a car dealership or an, an auto repair place? He didn't, he didn't need a permit. He didn't need an exemption from, from the zoning laws. He applied for a special permit and they rejected him. He was turned down because he didn't need it. And he, um, the gentleman, Mr. Williams, lives in a, uh, this, again, a neighborhood like the one with the, uh, like the snakes in it. But his neighbors didn't like the idea 
that he was fixing cars in his garage. It wasn't a business. He would just let his friends come over and use the lift. He had it put in because he liked working on cars, and he was confined to a wheelchair after an industrial accident. So he built a garage like a car garage in his own garage. No local zoning laws were violated, but the neighbors didn't like it, so they sued him, and it took six years before a judge finally said, you're okay here. Everything's good. And finally, after six long, expensive years, Charles Williams can use his garage the way he initially wanted to do. Unfortunately, he... um, He had some pretty big legal battles, but in 2016, after an article popped, here's where the good news is. He raised about $58,000 to help defray the legal costs. And after uh, taxes and fees, that's pretty much going to be eaten up all the way. So justice appears to be served. You can do on your property what you want to do as long as you're not turning it into a business in a non-business zone. He and his friends work on their cars together. They just happen to have a nicer garage than you. It's not like he put a manure pile in the backyard, people. Everybody needs to calm down. Michael Pelka, stepping aside on Pure Pelka. When we get back, we'll wrap it up. I'll tell you if there's any other breaking news out of the, uh, the G20 meetings. And I have to, um, we have to reach out and smack Chris Saliza just one more time because it was fake news what he did yesterday. And it's not helping CNN. And I also have some hard numbers that I want to share with any CNN fans who may happen to still be in the crowd. That's coming up next on Pure Opelka. You're listening to Pure Opelka on the Blaze Radio Network. Opelka with Mike Opelka. Welcome back to Pure Opelka. Before I get out of here, let me remind you one more time, relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com. Nicole went to relieffactor.com. She also picked up the phone and called them at 800-500-8384, 800-500-8384. And Nicole got the three-week quick start pack and she got great results. I started getting numbing, like carpal tunnel, but then I started realizing it was all up in my shoulder. The cramping, the pain, it was almost unbearable. When I started taking Relief Factor, it just seemed like everything relaxed and I'm able to stretch it out now. I'm able to work it out. I'm able to sleep. To me, it is a lifesaver. I understand. It was a lifesaver for me, too. And I've only been uh, using Relief Factor since early April. So if you have inflammation that causes pain, the inflammation may be perfectly handled by all-natural Relief Factor. Check them out at relieffactor.com. The three-week quick start pack is nineteen ninety-five. It works for me. I hope it works for you. And like thousands of others, it works for relieffactor.com. Before we get out of here, yesterday I was responding in a tweet form 
to Chris Saliza and uh, what he perceived as a snub of President Trump by the First Lady of Poland, uh, the First Lady Duda, the wife of President Duda. Uh, She was going across the stage to shake hands with Melania, extended the hand to Melania Trump. They shook hands. A split second later, she turned and shook the hand of President Trump. Saliza's deceptively labeled and edited tweet and video showed something completely different. And he should know better. And that's probably why CNN's numbers have fallen so low that they are in in the gutter in terms of what numbers are for cable programming. And, and there's even a report that reruns of Yogi Bear are beating CNN in some day parts. Let that sink in. Reruns of the old Yogi Bear cartoon are beating CNN. It doesn't take much CNN to correct your course. It just takes removing the editorializing out of the reporting. It just takes realizing that all you have to do is tell the story And if you tell it right and tell it cleanly and clearly, the people will get it. It ain't that tough unless you're so angry about what's happened, unless you're still angry about Hillary Clinton losing the election, that you just can't deal with it, which is kind of what it's beginning to feel like. And you can try and argue it away or defend it away, but it's just... It's just not going to work. So CNN, unless you fix it, unless you make the course correction, I think uh, Jeff Zucker is not long for, for the world and his job as CEO. And I think a lot of the people making those multi-million dollar salaries are probably going to realize the same reality that ESPN did when they got off sports and they got on editorializing. Don't even get me started on what they did with their 30 for 30 and the decathlon story that that is out there now. It's on the blaze. You can see it. It's insanity. So go and enjoy the rest of your day and and join me tomorrow morning at six o'clock. I'll be here. Uh, By the way, it's also National Macaroni Day. I support National Macaroni Day, especially mac and cheese. I can't support lobster mac and cheese. To me, you're ruining two wonderful different dishes. It's like teaching a pig to sing. All it does is really irritate the pig. So leave the lobster alone and leave the mac and cheese alone. I know, I'm, I'm a purist, right? We'll be back tomorrow morning. And uh, for those of you that didn't see it, I just tweeted out the Putin-splaining eye roll from today's G20 outtakes. We'll be here tomorrow morning and cover it all. Testudo, my friends. Testudo. This is Pure Pelka with Micah Pelka on the Blaze Radio Network.